Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Church Refresh. Good morning, CIU students. Uh, thank you for being here. I know it's early. Praise God, there was coffee available for you. If you have not partaken, you got to wait now. I'm already up here. Um, but I love you just the same. Um, it is an honor to be here. So first, let me give all honor and glory to the Father, Son, and Spirit, our holy God, who is amazing. And uh, giving honor to uh, the current president, Brother uh, Dr. King Christman, uh, Dr. Andre Rogers, for putting this conference on together. Um, my mentor, my bishop, Dr. Walter Belton, as you keep hearing me say, Dr. This, Dr. That, there are more degrees in here than a circle. So I'm going to make sure that I do my best to still teach you something fruitful today. I'm going to step into the practical. Dr. Rogers, if you know him and love him like I do, he'll give you clear instructions. And he said, don't preach. Tell an architect not to design, tell a carpenter not to cut wood. So I'm going to do my best to go against my nature and just teach today on building with the next generation. Uh, my topic was given to me as victory with the next generation, victory in moving forward and discipling. That's who I am. I'm a disciple maker at my core being. That's what I've been doing since before I knew what it was called. <laughs> so I, I say that to say I saw Jesus do it. And so I said, well, what's wrong with me? If you see Jesus do it, he was our perfect model. No flaw in him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. So I just want to say, let's look at what Jesus did and how he did it today. And I just want to take that and break that down for us in practical ways to look at it. Is that all right this morning? Can I put on my teacher hat today? I don't wear a lot of hats. I got locks, all right? But if I put on my teacher hat today... Can you stay with me for a moment? Well, I want to first diagnose the problem. Here's the problem. There's a knowledge gap in the generations coming along and those in the generation prior to us. There's a knowledge gap. And here's what I'm wanting to express to you. The knowledge gap isn't just what the young folk don't know. It's that some of us in this generation and the generation before me, they don't know what the young folk know. If we didn't have the pandemic, there'd still be churches that don't have a clue what YouTube was. And then the Lord forced a pairing, a unification, a working together across the cultural gaps, the generational gaps, to be able to reach those who were far from the Lord and for us to worship in a different way in that season. And so we want to talk through that. We want to talk about the, the mindset. And why do I say consumer mindset? If we want to reach young people, guess what? 75% of young people, they'll want to know what house is going to benefit me right now. It's that simple. They want to get raises faster. They want to get promoted faster. They want to get into the job force faster. They don't have time for your time and your gates and your processes. And so, I mean, just being real, right? It's like, hey, I graduate. I want to get a job. I want to make a lot of money. I don't want to depend on mom and dad anymore. I remember... <laughs> right? Going to school full-time and working full-time just to make things happen. 
And by God's grace and mercy, I was able to walk into a job where I wasn't making the most money in the world, but I made enough to survive. God made both ends meet. I had more month than I had money, but God made it work. And it's because I had to be humble in that moment. Someone said, let me just take a moment and invest in you. I'll get to that a little bit later. It's uh, the, the ours versus theirs mentality has got to go. As a almost still young person, I'm kind of growing out of that right now, but I can't say I can't do it like they did it. Now, I'm a third generation pastor. My grandfather pastored two churches in Seneca and Tekoa, two different states right there on the border of each other. My dad just retired from pastoring at a church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I did not want to pastor. I ran from it the best that I could. And if you know anything about the Lord, try running from the hand of God. You either end up in a well's belly or in the grave. Ain't no garden down there. You just... <laughs> but he can turn graves to gardens. I'm not trying to mess the song up for your spirit. So here's what I want you to see is there's not an ours versus theirs. So I saw how my dad and my grandpa did. And I was like, man, I can't do it like that. I saw the results. I saw how you got burned out and beat down and rock thrown. You got stoned by words of people who didn't care about your life. They just wanted to control your life. And I said, I don't want to do it like that. So I don't even want to be in that position anymore. But I had to realize maybe there's a difference. Maybe I can learn from what they did well and then add to it. So don't do the ours versus theirs. Let's work together. And then there's this time thing. You love your time. You'll spend more time waiting for Netflix and Hulu to load up than you will waiting for someone to finish their sentence. I've got the first six minutes of this message to get your attention and give you something you might not have thought about or I've lost you. Because nobody reads their Bible like this. Okay, so I want us to understand we have to recognize the time cost and make it worth the investment. And that's the last part is the flexibility, the being able to invest fully you and in them. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. So here's the solution. Very simple. We got to close the gap. We got to work hard to close the gap. We also have to specify the target. Listen, I can't go fish for salmon in a trout lake. You have to remember that if you're trying to reach lost people, uh, a good friend of mine used to always say, lost people are looking for a new church with all the bells and whistles the same way a vegetarian is looking for a barbecue. <laughs> and most young people are looking for a mentor to teach them and grow them and envelop them the same way a vegetarian is looking for a... I don't do sarcasm. These won't be trick questions. You can stay with me, Okay. So you, as those who are trying to reach, trying to pass the torch, trying to develop or even be developed, there's a work on both ends to make it work. It takes all the fruits of the Spirit. Trust me, I know. And the last one on the list in Galatians 5 is self-control. Self-control, which leads to the next one, investing yourself both into the situation as well as unto you. Don't forget that you still need the Lord and his word. Don't forget you still need prayer and quiet time. And don't be afraid to go back and get that degree you never finished. Or the one that God put you on assignment to complete and you just didn't. It's not too late. You're still breathing, right? There's a program for you. 
And last but not least, make it simple and successful. So what I'm going to break down for you this morning is a very simple process about how to reach and engage and build with the next generation. Why do I say build with the next generation? Because we have a lot of people that want to do great things for God. That's the problem. God didn't want you to do it for him. He wants you to do it with him. It's about relationship. Jesus didn't die, come back, empower you so you could go off and do your thing. Stop saying, Lord, bless my thing. See, there's the Lord's will, which is this mighty river rushing and flowing. And then there's you on the shore. Quit telling the river to get on your page. Ask God, where's the river flowing? And get in. All the way in. Be saturated, transformed, and fully renewed and refreshed all at the same time. Because God's will, it should include, include your life. It does. But don't say, God, turn the river. I'm over here. I want to stay here and get wet. No. So here's how the deployment process works. Can I do that? And I'll give you the insights of this in just a moment. The first step is this. There's only five. Stay with me. Discovery. Why is that important? Because if you think you can go in and make someone something they're not, you're already wrong. God created other people, all of you in this room, just like he created me. The gifts and talents and great things inside of you are there. You just need the spirit of God to unlock it and unleash it. You have untapped potential that you might not even know is there. And so guess what happens when you decide to surrender you unto the Lord? Or decide to allow the Lord to reveal someone else's gifts that aren't yours in someone else. How you respond to that is critical. Because your response is your responsibility. So don't be afraid to discover and see, hey, you know what? Let me, let me talk to the, to the older folk like me for a second. When that young person comes up and they not only can speak clearly, but they clearly understand what it means to be in front of others and etiquette before people, and they seem to have a gifting in being able to share and engage others, that's an it factor. That's a something that you just can't really put into somebody. They have something you can build upon. And once you discover that, invest in that. Okay, let me talk to the young folk for a second. I know y'all, some of y'all over here, some of y'all over here, let me just... You need to understand there may be someone that doesn't dress like you do, doesn't watch what you watch. They got on Stacey Adams instead of Kyrie's, right? That has something that can benefit your life. That will help you because you don't know everything they know. Google's gospel isn't the gospel. <laughs> and so what we have to make sure we stay clear on is that discovery is on both parts. But the generation that has to make disciples, we have to work hard to be intentional to discover those that God wants us to invest in. The next step is this. You need to assess them. Okay. This isn't the part where you disrespect them. This is still the coffee meetings. This is still the lunch meetings. This is still the, hey, we're going to sit together and worship, or we're going to talk about how you prepare for whatever it is that you're gifted at. You're going to assess what they do and how they do it and see where 
improvements can take place and then see what giftings you have to invest in them. That's the assessment stage. But you're not done there because guess what happens? Some people want to cut off after that. Boy, they got a long way to go. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, you can't do that too fast. Just imagine if someone met you before you were you who you are now. While you were still writing your testimony before the Lord and decided, it ain't worth my time, player, time to move on. In the assessment period, it's not a judgment period. It's a time to identify and see. After you've done this assessment period, now you can begin training. So you know what they maybe don't know or don't have and don't see, don't understand, and allow a chance to train and invest in them. At this stage, you do what Jesus did when he talked to his disciples in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and he said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. The first thing he said is, follow me. And he said, I will make you. He said, I will make you. There's going to be a process. There's going to be some pruning involved. You're going to be different than you are today. And you're going to become fishers of people. Like they knew throwing nets off a boat and getting big catches, but they didn't really understand what it meant to go out and get droves of people. He told them he started with the end in mind. They, didn't, they hadn't got to Acts chapter 2 yet. They're still in Mark 1. <laughs> so what we have, or Luke 4, or Luke 5, whichever one you want to. Anyway, the point I'm giving you is this. You have to know that there is a point where you have to be able to invest in someone and start telling them where you're going. Remember I told you young people don't want you wasting their time either? Don't just start dragging them along and expect them to get through your gates. Be transparent. Here's something our generation knows right now too. People can see right past phony. They see right through the fake. They, again, <laughs> I don't know what has really transpired to make that happen. Maybe it's the separation from a whole bunch of faces of people. I don't know. Maybe it's some of the isolation. Maybe it's a bunch of transparency on TikTok. I don't know. But you can sit in front of someone for a little while and you'll be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Not going back there. So in the training process, be real about what you're doing, where you're struggling. Look, I've gone to teach a small group and walked in the door dragging, sat down, opened my Bible, and I was like, y'all, I'm tired. And I really wanted to skip today. But y'all depending on me to facilitate this group today. <laughs> so bear with me. Pray for me that they'll use this weakened body right now. Because if I got in, I was like, all right, y'all, God is phenomenal, and he's going to cover all of your needs. Let's step into his word. Sometimes you got to be like, look, I'm on the other side of the but statement. Because there's but God, right? But on the other side of the but statement is a struggle bus. And you have to be real with folks. Because they'll see through the phony. So in the training process, you're telling them what you see, what, they, what you see that they need, and outlay what needs to be done to get them where you want them to go. Once you've trained them, now you begin equipping them. Now, some semantical people may say, well, Splawn, isn't that the same thing? No. No. You don't, train some, you don't give someone a gun before they're trained on how to use it. 
Okay, I'm by myself. All right. So before you give someone all the tools that they need to succeed, to make disciples like they're being made into a disciple, you got to make sure that they know and understand what you're giving them. Otherwise, it can be used for the enemy's purposes. Because the disciple-making process isn't just for saved folk. I'm, I'm curious, some of y'all read the Bible. This is... In John chapter 6, when Jesus tells them, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, some of them were like, this is a hard saying. What you talking about, Jesus? Can we just get the bread we had last week? What are we talking about right now? He was like, no, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And it says many disciples stopped following him from that moment. That word is used. He looks at the 12 and says, y'all want to go too? I love Jesus. So hard. <laughs> he was like, y'all want to ride out? Y'all want to follow the masses? You want, to, you want the praise of men? Peter was like, hey, we know you, son of God. You got eternal life. I'm good, man. It's, bye. I'm with Jesus. And you got to be okay with knowing that sometimes following Jesus, it's a lonely, narrow, difficult, challenging road that people can't find. And making disciples is the same. And so when you're equipping them and you're giving them the tools they need, not just, hey, this is how you read a passage, this is how you exegete a text, or this is how you prepare for a small group, or this is how you write a sermon, or this is how you prepare to teach children with the word in a way they can understand. Those are all great tools to give somebody. But along the way, you need patience, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. you got to understand, sometimes they may miss a meeting. Don't cut them off for one time. Stuff happens. But along the way, you want to make sure you continue to remember that if someone wasn't patient with you, you wouldn't be who you are now. So remember, discover them, assess them, train them, and equip them. But last, this is the part that people miss. Deploy them. You got to let them go. Let them rise. It might be your chair that God has raised them up for. Oh, I didn't like that size response. Let me go. (laughs) If I'm not willing to work myself out of a job, I got no business doing it now. Can I talk about Jesus for a second? Three and a half years later, what happened? Y'all got it. (laughs) Right? The cloud took him up, and two men in white apparel, I mean, it might have been Moses and Elijah, I don't know. But the whole point I'm making is, is two men in white apparel said, why y'all looking up? He told you to go to the upper room and pray. He told you he would go. Deployed. Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church, the person I was named after, he had already told them, hey, now that you got it, you've seen the church grow, Bounce. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. They're still in Jerusalem. Stephen gets rocked to death. Now they leave because they got forced out. What if God reset the button on how we did church because he needed to force us out of the four walls we were stuck in? What 
What if we're not supposed to lean on the past but learn from it the way Bishop Blue said yesterday, right? What if there's a point in time that we have to say, all right, that was then, this is So here's your question. Pastor, all that sounds great, man. You gave me a whole lot of metaphorical, philosophical. Give me some practical. I can do that. Give me six more minutes. Can I have six more minutes? Praise Jesus. Five steps, six minutes. If I go over six minutes, grace and mercy. (laughs) The first is this step. I do. You watch. We talk. I do, you watch, we talk. You're thinking, man, when did Jesus do that? Okay, Gospel of John, chapter 2. Jesus is at a place called Cana at a wedding. Everybody wants to quote the turning of the water to wine because everybody wants a glass. (laughs) Be careful how you play with Jesus. Be careful how you play with Jesus. I do, you watch, we talk. When his mom said, we're out of wine. Woman, this isn't my hour. (laughs) And she didn't even respond to his statement. She looks at the servant and says, whatever he says, do it, and rolls out. His mama knew something that everybody else didn't know. Jesus done made some things happen before. We're out of flowers, Jesus. That's not in the text. I ain't trying to add to the word, but you know, you got to imagine she had seen some things that didn't make sense. I thought I had to go to the store for bananas, and all of a sudden, we. I don't even know if they got bananas in Jerusalem. Anyway, so here's what I'm trying to get you to understand they're at the wedding. Who turns the water into wine? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Whew. This is church refresh, right? It's church. (laughs) no no it's not I'm here you're here we're making this work (laughs) who turned the water into wine I do who was also invited to the wedding his disciples yes you watch then they debriefed Listen, here's a step that's missed all too often. I don't care if you're in the corporate world, because I was a marketplace missionary one time too. And, and, and you have people who not only hate to deploy, but they don't want to talk about what happened or how they got there. They feel like it's some sacred secret, that if I let it go, you're going to go past me and leave me behind. I know I'm standing on the shoulders of men and women who gave their lives so I could stand up here and not wear a tie and wear some sneakers and some jeans. I know for a fact that the only reason why I'm able to get the education I'm able to get is somebody got spit on, food poured on their heads, they went to school in the worst conditions, got ostracized, talked about, beat down, and hated upon so that I could stand here and tell you about the Lord. So here's the step. It's the I do, you watch, we talk. Jesus modeled this. This is his model, not mine. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. All right, here we go. Next one, number two. I'm learning this remote. It's new. All right. The next one is I do, you help. Oh, it's right there. 
stay with me. You don't want to, then stay with me. I do, you help. Great. You remember in John 6, one of the few miracles or even just things that go across all four Gospels, right? I mean, you pretty much have the death, burial, and resurrection in all four. But right now, you're really talking about John 6, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Okay? They pretty much fed over 15,000 people, most likely, with a little boy's lunch. Because two loaves wasn't like we have loaves that are missing from our shelves right now. Told probably some biscuits and some sardines, okay? They didn't eat catfish. That's against their code. So now we're talking about Jesus, who multiplied the loaves and fishes. I gave you the answer to help you this time. <laughs> who told the people to sit down and passed out the food? Ah, upgrade. Could Jesus have miraculously dispersed all the food to all the people? Sit down. <laughs> Wipe your mouth, boy. <laughs> he could have done that. Could he not? If he can cast out demon, I think he can disperse a little food to your table. And so here we have, we see Jesus working with his disciples in such a way that now they're moving forward in the progression step of you're not just watching now, you're not because I need it, but because you need it. Oh. And here's the point. Jesus not only told them, go help them sit down in groups and pass it out. When they got done, remember, he was crossing the boat and he talked about the leaven of the Pharisees. And they were like, maybe it's because we forgot the baskets of bread, bros. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bartholomew, you know it was your job to get them baskets. You know what? And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, no. If they didn't debrief, they would have left with misunderstanding. The debrief is critical. So I hear me today. I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. What do you think the next progression line is? There we go. Now we're talking business. I said business. It's okay. You do, I help, we talk. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9, here we go. Jesus is about to send out the 12. It says right there in the text, read the first six verses. He says he gave them power to go preach and heal and cast out demons. But he gives them a list of things to do, not to do, and then he sends them out. He helps them by giving them power to do what they need to do. Then they come back and they, and they talk because they need to have understanding. That's critical. Jesus now shifted and said, okay, you're going to go before me. You're going to go and you're going to do these things. I know you've seen me do it. You've seen how I responded when it was over. You've seen me go alone and pray. You've seen me be tired and weary because you were tired and weary because you were with me doing what I was doing. But guess what? I don't choose today. My time is limited. My hour is coming. And when it comes, I'm out and it's on you. So make sure that we talk about it. If the Lord takes me home today, I get in that vehicle that the Lord has blessed me to have. 
And he brings me home to him. I can't be angry. My assignment's been complete. And I pray that I've discipled enough to be able to leave a footprint to say, Lord, keep walking with them. So this is why it's so important. There's got to be this shift. I has to move. Oh, man. I have to move sometimes. If I'm fighting to stay the senior forever, it's going to come a point where I can't hold the seat anyway. Why not release through a disciple you trust and love? The next one we have. Easy enough. You do. I watch. And then we. I love this part. In Luke chapter 10, I like how it starts. Jesus is looking at this group of people, this large, massive crowd coming. And he, he says to them, all right, y'all, we need to pray to the Lord of Harvest for laborers to come and do this great work. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's pray, yeah. The next verse is like, now let's go. I love that because Jesus didn't say pray and stay. Oh, I'm by myself again. He said pray and. So now here's Jesus. And these guys are getting a little stiff chested. Yeah, we casting out too. <laughs> yeah, y'all, we, 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 the, we the ones. There's an argument with James and John's mama. Y'all remember this part of the text where my holy roller's at? Hey, I want to sit on the right and on the left. Can you really handle that? Yes, we can. Boy, you don't know what you... But here's the, the take. Jesus then sends out 72 more. He's like, all right, cool. Y'all think y'all the only ones that... 72. Roll out. Do what I just told you. Come back. I'm shortening it. I'm giving you the... New Stephen translation, okay? And so, don't judge me now, I'm just. And so, here's, here's what I want you to grab from this. They all came back excited, celebrating. Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said, man, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't celebrate that they're subject to your command. Celebrate that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God for the debrief. You see what Jesus did right there? He says, don't let your focus get shifted to you conquering. I'm the conqueror. You are more than a conqueror in me, but don't let that be your primary focus because you'll think winning against someone else is your objective. No, 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 no. Being won by me so that you can be saved through me, that's the objective, but do it for others also. Don't think that just because you have the ability to do something, that's the end of the road. Because then I can't do anything else with you because you've stopped wanting to grow. The moment you think that your molding process is done, you are done. I want to stay on the potter's wheel. I want to be allowed to be put in the fire and pruned multiple times. Because if I'm not, then I'm only as pliable or usable as the last iteration. And so here we have, now they're, they're being watched by Jesus. And Jesus is watching them take their next steps and their next steps. Then the crucifixion happens. 
Jesus is taken from the garden. Judas kisses him. Peter denies him. A northern African man carries his cross up to Calvary. They hang him high on a tree. And Jesus dies. But on Sunday morning, No, no, no. You said not to preach. I ain't preaching. I ain't preaching. I just can't get over. This body was wrapped in in all these clothes. He was born in swaddling clothes, and he was swallowed up in rags and covered in oils at his death. I don't, anyway. And then we have this body begin to breathe. And he gets up. He folds his napkin. And he walks out of the tomb. Now, remember, they witnessed it getting rolled away, but he was already gone. <laughs> Y'all ain't with me? They thought the boulder could stop the rock of our salvation. I mean, let's, let's just be real for a second. Jesus walked out of the tomb and nothing on earth could stop him. The rock was moved for the onlookers. It, it wasn't going to stop Jesus. And so now you have the risen king. And our Lord, our master, our savior, the original disciple maker, he now ascends. He gives a mandate to about 120 people. He says, go therefore and make. You notice that's like the last couple of verses in Matthew 28. There's no asterisks there. He didn't give a list of instructions. He didn't give a breakdown. There was no wheel or graphics or cute slides. Why was that? Why was that? He had already done it. He's like, do unto them as I did unto. He said, I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. You do, I help, we talk. You do. I watch, we talk. Now, here's the last, but not the least. You do. Someone else watches. Oh, don't miss this. Don't miss this. You do. And someone else watches. In Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 14 through verse 39, you see Peter, the tongues of fire fallen, Pentecost is here, all these, I mean, Parcelites, Medes, Persians, all these people from Arabs, they're just all, boom, they're all there. They're praising God and his works in front of everybody. And they say, they're full of new wine. Peter has seen Jesus rebuke lies in their presence before. Now it's Peter's turn. He says, they are not drunk as you suppose. Oh, <laughs> Peter's now got onlookers. Peter was the one who was watching, then helping, and then doing, and then doing, and then now it's his time to have someone else watch him do. Right. 3,000 were added to the church. The church began to grow. But listen, it was only because Jesus had discipled him to that point and the Spirit of the Lord was on them. Listen, I can't do any of this stuff listed without God, and neither can you. 
And Peter recognized the point. It's time to talk. There's a time to, and there's a time to talk. Don't mistake the two. Communication is not just proclamation. Communication includes you. That's the hardest part of being a disciple maker is taking the time to actually. Someone may be able to tell you in the discovery phase what they're gifted with. But you can't just do what they say because they may just want what you got. But if you listen hard enough, you realize, nah, you're not somebody's deacon. No, you're not somebody's deacon. That's great, though, that you aspire for that. Paul said so. But let me tell you, you are gifted, so I'm going to work with you and we'll find out what that is. You do, someone else watches, and you two talk. Because I had to move. So this morning, I want to leave you with these practical five steps. If you're going to reach and be a part of working with the next generation, listen, and have victory in Christ Jesus while you're doing it, there's a critical part for you. You got to be humble enough to get out of the way. You got to be selfless enough to let them go. Love and lead with an open hand. The four L's that I live by even in my own church, I listen, I learn, I love, then I lead. Because people know when you're leading and you haven't loved yet. And if you haven't listened to those you're called to lead, guess what? You're going to be leading out by yourself. And my grandpa used to say, if you think you're a leader and you're walking by yourself, you just went for a stroll. And you can't use church planting as an excuse to go do your own thing. Sometimes you have to be able to sit under and learn with and be molded in that process. Amen? Here's my summaries. I'll let them get done slides later. I went past my six minutes. Grace and mercy, please. Listen, learn, love, lead. Walk through the five steps humbly knowing that every single aspect of this walk, you're growing also. The greatest teachers are the greatest students. And I'm still being discipled even today. Some of the men that disciple me are right here in this room. And I want you to understand that you have to know that this is how the kingdom of God is seen here. Because people will be curious. Why is that guy with locks sitting with that gray-headed guy? Why is that guy over there with the nose ring sitting there with the guy with the tailored suit? What's going on over here? That makes me curious. That's not normal. Don't wait for CNN or Fox to put you on there. Mm -mm. They're not looking for that. But I'll tell you who is looking for it. The one who sought you out to begin with. Our Savior and our King. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Stephen, thank you so much. Mm. Mm. I wish I had enough time to tell you how, how well that connected with my heart. And I think you know that a little bit. Mm. So yesterday I told some of you about a new uh, format that we are uh, initiating this fall for theological education. And I, I've met with Pastor Stephen. We've talked about it. And I wanted to ask him a few questions, kind of an interview format, uh, to get, get your thoughts on this new thing that we're doing called competency-based theological education. Absolutely. So first of all, why is getting 
advanced theological training important? Man, that's a great question. Uh, you heard me talk about it before, being prepared, being shaped, being molded. That's completely necessary. And I, and I totally believe that you always have something else you can learn, right? Um, you, you don't want to stifle your time and your opportunities to grow and learn because I've learned from this man and many others here. And so I want you to understand that I will continue my education. And so that's because first, second Peter 3.18, it says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to just gather information, right? But growing in grace is being with people. And so it's, it's, it's very important for you to have your mindset ready that I can still learn more to be a better equipper and disciple maker. Okay. He has no idea the question I'm about to ask him, just so you know. I didn't prepare you. I meant to text you, okay. but I didn't prepare you. It's okay. All right. So my next question is, in this new uh, format, we're putting about 40% of the degree program, rather than us teaching it, the local church teaches it. Mm. Why does mm. that excite you? Man, this is why it excites me. It's exactly what I just talked about. Could you imagine, those of you who have a, a degree at all in, in this room or those who are aspiring it, could you imagine for a moment that you and the teacher have some one-on-one -on -one time to debrief, have some one-on-one -on -one time to walk through a lesson together, a tailored fit, personal, intimate opportunity to grow in the topic and the subject that you want to grow in, that you want to get this degree in, and you get the opportunity to do that? It's, it's so simple, stupid. you got to do it. Like, it's great. And I love, I love the idea that the CIU is going to partner with pastors of the local church and give you a chance to learn how to be a better one to prepare curriculum for your classrooms and have projects that will get you prepared, not just to preach in front of folks and sweat and spit, but you also get the opportunity to be able to sit with others and make disciples in a way that the Bible teaches it. Because I gave you a lot of scripture this morning. Imagine us walking through it intimately and you find out how it can work in your life now. I think that's the best way to say that it needs to happen. Simple, simple stupid. Simple, stupid. All right. I said stupid. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Proverbs 12, 1. He who hates correction is stupid. All right. So. Okay. So I'm not sure if you've noticed, I'm white. Mm. Very white. Wow. So I'm so white, some people think I'm translucent. Okay. <laughs> so. And where's Anne? Okay, sorry. So if, if I'm training someone, I'm going to train them from my culture. Mm. Why is contextualized training important? Mm, that's a great point. Listen, not everyone I've discipled looked like me. If it was, I failed. Because guess what? I travel a lot and I go all different places. And I work for the Southern Baptist Convention, goodness sakes. <laughs> but the other part of it is, remember I talked about listening? Just because he's white and I'm not doesn't mean that we should be looking at what we don't have in common. Imagine what would happen if we only looked at what we did have in common. Not just the fact that we're both wearing jackets. <laughs> but you'll find out you got more in common with the people that the society's told you to judge and walk away from than you realize. So taking just a few moments to consider the fact that this person who said, I see you, I see you, and there's more to you than you know. Allow me some time to buy you coffee and walk with you in your journey. And me listen to you. And then the Lord work in you the work he desires. And so, yes, I think it's important not only to have local pastors in the context that you will likely be deployed into, invest in you to know how to work in the local schools, because you got to love schools and teachers and serve them. Not just go and touch the kids, touch the teachers, too. They need your love, okay? Even on universities, touch the teachers, right? Love your teachers. 
But you also want to understand there are first responders. There are those who are firemen. And, and I mean, you have so many people who get forgotten until the emergency comes. I mostly only get text messages when people are sick or dying. They don't invite me to the party or the cookout. I'm not pleading for it right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's important. Contextualization is key. Knowing where you are and who you're called to serve is important. And so in including the local church pastors is so vital for this competency-based program. It's an essential aspect that I think has been missing that it's great to have happen. And so I'm happy to support it. Thank you. Anything else you want to share about the program that excites you? Other than I'll be a part of it, too. And I'm excited. So all students who will engage in it, especially for further education, I think it's great. And I believe in it so much, I'm willing to take time to invest in it. Thank you. And I believe in this guy and his vision to get it done. Okay? All right. So can I use that tagline on our marketing material? This is simple, stupid? Yes. Yes. All right. I think we have a, I think we have a tagline. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thank you. We you. mind if I pray for the people before we go? Absolutely. Allow me to pray for you before we go. Can I do that? Touch and agree if you can. Touch and agree if you can. Father, we love you. We adore you as our great and mighty creator. There is none like you. Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, the Christ, thank you for giving us the perfect model. May we not ignore it just because it's easy to understand. But Lord, may we recognize it's not so easy to apply. And so allow us to be on the potter's wheel one more time. Allow us to revamp and review how we've been doing it because you may have called us here to be refreshed and be refreshed for change because there's more work to be done. And so, Father God in heaven, I pray right now not only for those who are here and listening, but those who will hear it later. And I pray for Dr. Croto and the team. I pray uh, for Dr. Christman and Dr. Rogers and all the leaders here. I pray, Lord, for not only this campus and these students, Father, as they take this time to pray with you, but may you do a magnificent work through the rest of this day, through the rest of this year, until the fourth generation past us, that we may see disciples made and the torch passed that your name may be glorified all the way through it. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.